from November to January, suddenly we had a bill at the state level to ban the burning of railroad ties statewide. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the In Our Backyard podcast with your host, Jen Galler. This is the Blue Ridge Environmental Defense League's podcast, where I discuss environmental issues that are happening right in our backyards. This episode, I talk with Ruth Ann Sasanovich, who is a retired medical laboratory scientist from UGA. She lives 1.5 miles from the biomass plant that they're fighting and has been a resident of Madison County, Georgia for 36 years. She is secretary and treasurer of the Madison County Clean Power Coalition chapter, a chapter of the Blue Ridge Environmental Defense League, whose mission is to protect the environment and advocate for communities polluted by the processing and burning of railroad ties. In Madison County, Georgia, they're fighting a biomass plant, and biomass includes wood products, agricultural residues or forest waste, and other highly toxic feedstocks such as construction and demolition waste. And in this instance, the burning of railroad ties. Burning these materials as fuel for electricity pollutes the air we breathe. In a powerful letter signed by the Allergy and Asthma Network, the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Lung Association, and other organizations like this say biomass is far from clean. Burning biomass creates air pollution that causes a sweeping array of health harms, from asthma attacks to cancer to heart attacks, resulting in emergency room visits, hospitalization, and premature deaths. With Ruth Ann, we talk about the biomass plant in their county, the environmental and health impacts, community involvement, House Bill 857 they got passed, and what their plans for the future are. To contact and connect with Ruth Ann and the Madison County Clean Power Coalition chapter will be in the show notes below, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm with Ruth Ann Tosanovich, who is a retired medical laboratory scientist at UGA, and she's also the secretary and treasurer of the Madison County Clean Power Coalition. And just starting out, could you give me some background on what's happening in your community in Georgia? I will. Thank you. We had a company called Georgia Renewable Power approached our elected officials back in 2015 and wanted to bring a biomass plant to our county. There's two plants now. One came to Franklin County, that's a county just north of us, about 30 miles north, and one came to our county. And we are uh, Madison County. We're both rural farming communities. And the attraction to our county leaders was that these plants would bring tax dollars and and jobs to our cash-strapped counties. The company promised the citizens that they would only burn clean wood chips to generate electricity and that we would have no fumes and noise. They promised to be good neighbors. Now, I live one and a half miles from the Madison plant. So when the plants were under construction for years, and then when they fired up back in May of 2019, the citizens began to realize that we had been sold a bill of goods. The noise was unbearable. Instead of clean wood chips, they started hauling in trainloads of carcinogenic railroad ties. And we saw these trains coming in. We We didn't know they were going to burn them. And we thought, well, Maybe they're just stockpiling them in the yard, but soon they were grinding them up in the yard and burning them. Black smoke was spewing out of the stack. The creosote chipping dust was blowing on the farmer's fields and washing into our watershed. And people living near the plant were 
writing to the paper and, and talking about their problems. They were having respiratory problems, nosebleeds. So a small group of us got together in somebody's living room back in November of 2019 and decided to form a citizens group, community action group. And we gave ourselves a name, Madison County Clean Power Coalition. We wondered what we would do. We had so many issues with these plants, our plant in particular, and up in Franklin County, a citizens group was forming up there at the same time. They're twin sister plants. We have the same issues with the Franklin County plant. Citizens up there do, as do we. So we decided that our main mission was going to be a stop the burning of railroad ties. These are carcinogenic. And even though we had other issues, that was our main goal. And we wanted to protect our environment and advocate for communities polluted by the processing and burning of carcinogenic treated wood. So we wondered how to tackle this. We decided the first thing we do is have an educational meeting and educate the public. So we began planning for that and we did that quickly. We had it in early December and 300 people showed up. We held it in our high school cafeteria. It was very generous that they allowed us to do that. We started a website, a Facebook page, started doing social media. We organized hundreds of concerned citizens. We wrote letters to our local newspapers and we attended and spoke out at our Board of Commissioners meetings. We placed hundreds of stop burning railroad ties signs along roadsides, and we had over 2,700 people sign a petition to stop burning ties. We held protests, became citizen watchdogs. We reported what we saw to our Georgia Environmental Protection Division, and they listened to our complaints. They investigated. We sent them photos. They issued air, land, and water violations to the plan officials. And then we also contacted Brettel. We wanted to become a nonprofit. And in early January, we did that. And we were happy to be the first new Brettel chapter of 2020. And we wanted to work at a local level. We thought we could get our local elected officials to do something about this, but they weren't really cooperative. They seemed to be more interested in the tax revenues than in what they were hearing from the people. Mm -hmm. We wrote letters to newspapers. We got radio station support, web news outlets, and we even had a TV station out of Atlanta come and do a segment about our issue. Our big breakthrough came when our Madison County Clean Power Coalition people went up to Franklin County. And we have three scientists who live in our county, two that are have masters in public health and one's retired from the CDC and we've got a masters in biophysics. So we had our scientists do a presentation for the Franklin County people. And Georgia House Rep that represents Franklin County came to the meeting and his name is Alan Powell. And he listened to the people. He, he immediately took action. He went to Atlanta, back to his office the following Monday, and called in the EPD, called in the legal counsel at the, the state level, and wrote a bill that would ban burning of creosote railroad ties. So that all happened, happened right at the end of January. So from November to January, suddenly we had a bill at the state level to ban the burning of railroad ties statewide. And then a senator from the area dropped a twin bill, they call it dropped, 
dropped one in the Senate. So we had twin bills suddenly moving through the legislature that would ban this burning of railroad ties. We also sought out support from environmental groups. The Georgia Sierra Club and the Georgia Conservancy came out in support of both the bills. Uh, the American Lung Society wrote a, a letter, and all of them came to the Capitol and lobbied for our bills, along with representatives from our organization and the one in Franklin County. We went and testified before committees. And Renee Kale, who's a Brettle community organizer, she lives here in Georgia, mm-hmm. she was at our side at the state Capitol. She came to the committee meetings as it, as the bills were moving through committee and she helped us out. So I want to thank her tremendously for that. So what happened is the House bill made it, the House Bill 857 to ban burning of creosote railroad ties statewide, passed out a committee, made it to the House floor for a vote on the very last day. It's called crossover day when a bill has to get voted on and passed in one house or the other, either the House or the Senate, and crossover. And that was March 12th. Well, the House bill made it and it, it got a unanimous vote. It was voted 163 yeas to zero nays. Oh, wow. And it crossed over on the last day possible. And then suddenly, you know, as the COVID-19 crisis had been emerging, we were going to testify and people weren't shaking hands anymore at the Capitol. They were starting to like, you know, do elbow bumps and things, but it it wasn't really in full swing then. But that day that it crossed over, the momentum for our bill just came to an abrupt halt because the Georgia General Assembly suspended the legislative session indefinitely due to that COVID crisis. So Mm. it was really a big blow. (laughs) We had so much momentum going so we, we sheltered in place after that and hoped that when the legislature came back into session, whenever that was, that they would consider our bill. So that's the history behind it. Wow. Yeah. Backing it up a little bit, when company sold your county the biomass plant, what were they saying that it was going to be like? And then now that they're burning the railroad ties, was that their plan all along, do you think? Well, they, they came first and made presentations in 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, I, don't, I don't think we as citizens, there was a few articles in our paper, but we weren't paying close attention to it, I must say. They said they were only going to burn clean wood chips, that we would only see a plume of white steam coming out of the plant. There, there wouldn't be any emissions, nothing coming out of the stack. And that's what they presented. And jobs, they were going to bring jobs and tax dollars. So what happened is our county, we took out a huge debt. They had to provide water for this plant, like up to a million gallons of water a day for them to produce steam, which to us sounds like a lot. But I guess that's really not a lot of water, but it sure sounds like a lot of water to me. Well, our county didn't have the water. We're a rural county. We don't even have sewer system in our county. And we don't have adequate water lines. They had to run a 12-inch pipe from a nearby county, Elbert County, to our east, and take water out of a reservoir called Lake Russell. It's part of the Savannah River system. They had to buy the water and they had to run this water line. So that was a huge project. The county went into a bunch of debt to get that plant to come here. So what happened when they fired up, they didn't say they were going to burn railroad ties. What made this possible was the EPA relaxed their federal laws. I guess it's back in 2016. They decided that it was okay to burn creosote 
which had formerly been banned, is carcinogenic. People can't burn creosote. If you were to burn a creosote railroad tie, you would be thrown in jail. But the way the EPA changed the regulations, if a biomass plant had certain pollution controls and you know, methods of burning it, that it was safe to burn. We don't agree with that from what we've seen and learned, but that's how it happened. And that law, it became legal, even though it was first passed, I guess, back in 2016. It, it wasn't put into place until 2018. So we feel, we can't prove this, but we think that when they were building the plant, they always intended to burn creosote. That's what we think, but mm-hmm. we have no proof of that. But they did install the correct burning equipment when the plants were under construction. And I want you to keep in mind that these are the only two plants, that this Georgia Renewable Power Bill, the one in our county and the one in Franklin, that are burning creosote railroad ties in the entire state of Georgia. Yeah. We don't know where other plants are. We know there's one in North Carolina and there's one in the upper peninsula of Michigan. As far as East Coast, those are the only other plants we know of that are burning creosote railroad ties. So this this is a new thing. Biomass plants are relatively new. The, the whole United States wants to have green energy, and there's a big federal initiative for you know, green energy goals. So biomass plants, that's where they came in on this. What we citizens now feel is biomass plants are not green energy, even if they're not burning creosote railroad ties, they're huge producers of pollution. Yeah. They're not carbon neutral. <laughs> yeah. And that that name just kind of makes it sound more green when really it's kind of the same thing, same pollution, Correct. same they're, everything. They're cutting in a different down forests. Mm-hmm. If, if they're not burning creosote, it's very cost effective for the railroad companies to burn creosote because prior to this, they were disposing of them in landfills. And my understanding is it costs a lot more for the railroad company to dispose of it in a landfill than it does to sell it or give it. I don't even, I don't know what they get. I think they pay the biomass plants is what they do to dispose of the creosote, but it's a lot less expensive. So this is big business. We were fighting railroad company, (laughs) big business. You know, millions and millions of dollars they have invested into these two plants. Huge fight. <laughs> yeah. And with you living 1.5 miles away from this plant, what have you seen or heard from the plant and kind of the effects that it has on your local environment and the health of the community? What we first noticed, they fired up these plants in May both of them, the one in Franklin County, the one here. Mm -hmm. And the initial startup and shutdown procedures, they told us it would take about two weeks of testing and starting up and shutting down. Well, two weeks turned into seven months. (laughs) So during startup and shut, well, and they started burning creosote right away. What we saw was black smoke coming out the stack, like huge clouds of black smoke. And when they're firing up and shutting down, they're not using their electrostatic precipitator, (laughs) which is their pollution control device. It doesn't even run during these times. So what they did is repeated startups and shutdowns. So this black smoke is spewing out the stack. We're jolted out of our beds in the middle of the night because it sounds like there's a jet airplane landing in our yards. And I live out in the country. I live in, you know, kind of in the middle of the woods. This is 
a land that my husband and I have worked so hard for for 35 years. And this is our little retreat. So our peace was gone. Our quiet was gone. And we were smelling the creosote. Our neighbors, we didn't know, even know we had a lot of these neighbors. We just came together when we formed this coalition. And I say it's the only good thing that came out of this is, is I learned I had a lot of good neighbors that I didn't know I had. There are people that live four-tenths of a mile from the plant. They were suffering a lot worse than we were. And I feel for them. They complained about not being able to breathe, being prisoners in their own homes. They couldn't go out in their yard. Their eyes were burning. They were having nosebleeds. Now, luckily, I live north of the plant, and the wind's usually coming out of the north, so it's blowing the other way. But when the wind would change or the pressures would change, we, we could smell it at our house. Sometimes from the noise, I could feel the ground shaking. So mm. I say it wrecked my life. This is all I've been doing for the last year. It's not what I wanted to be doing in my retirement is fighting this plant. But I'm fighting, part I'm doing is for my neighbors too, because they're suffering more than I am. So that's, that's my personal experience, yeah. but it's pretty much consumed me for the past year. Yeah. And you talked about it a little bit, but could you also talk about all the community involvement that you've had and actions you've taken as the Madison County Clean Power Coalition? I think we had these three scientists who were just instrumental in in this whole movement. And the first thing we did is have an educational meeting for the public. And we learned when 300 people showed up that it was much greater of an issue to many people than just our small group who came together in a neighbor's you know, living room. Yeah. Um, two weeks before that. So we had a lot of support, a lot of people writing letters. We, like I said, we had got news media involved. We went to our commissioners. We were trying to work at a local level and we had thought, well, how can we make this happen? How can we stop burning railroad ties? But it was the instrumental thing that happened was the state representative, Alan Powell, when he came to one of our public meetings and heard our pleas for help and worked at a state level and introduced this legislation. What we've learned is it can't be done at a local level. Like a local government cannot override a federal regulation, which is what the EPA's relaxation of the rules made it possible to burn creosote. But state legislation can. So the state basically by passing those legislation, the EPD, which is the Georgia wing of the Environmental Protection Agency, will take away the permit for the plants to burn creosote. They're permitted to burn it. That will, will change now. So mm. that's what we learned, that it had to be done at a state level. Okay. And so that's where the House Bill 857 comes in, and that's why it was so significant. It was. It was very significant. And it happened in such a short amount of time from when we really started working full steam on this issue in November. And by the end of January, we had not just one bill, but we had two bills. We had twin bills moving through the Senate and the House. Yeah. Basically saying the same thing. It, it was phenomenal. Yeah. So what was it like when you would go there and lobby for it? What was that whole process like? I had never set foot in the state capitol in my life. <laughs> it was yeah. a very eye-opening experience. The wheels of legislature do turn slowly, but in this case, they were, they were moving pretty fast. We knew that there might be a Senate bill 
uh, we knew the House bill came first, but it got stalled in committee. It never, it wasn't moving. And so we were just waiting to see what would happen. We were alerted by the legislative chair of the Georgia Sierra Club, sent us an email at seven o'clock. He sent us this email saying, okay, there's a Senate bill. It's gone to committee. You need to be at the Capitol at 2 a.m. to testify. And so we just weren't even prepared for that. Didn't even know about the Senate bill at that time. And we just did some quick action. We got together some written materials to pass out. We organized four people in a carpool to go to the Capitol. And it's a two-hour drive. Driving to Atlanta is not a fun thing to do. <laughs> so, yeah. And there's so a lot traffic. of traffic. <laughs> and we, we found out at 7 o'clock in the morning our county commissioners had just passed a resolution the night before in support of the House bill. So we quickly went to our county courthouse and the clerk managed to get all the signatures of the commissioners and we picked up the document and took it with us. And we had four people prepare our statements and we testified before it was the regulated Industries and Utilities Committee. And we went in the Capitol not even knowing where to go. And soon yeah. we were in the governor's office, <laughs> leaving <laughs> literature at our bill and going into representatives' offices, knocking on their door and learning about lobbying. Definitely uh, an amazing experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. And just the fact that you all got it passed so quickly, too, especially with everything that's going on. That's Well, huge. what happened when the, the legislature reopened in Georgia, there are 40 legislative days. So those are the only days that our legislators come to the Capitol and meet. And it usually starts in January and it ends by April. And bills have to get passed in that time or nothing happens. They either are dead or they might get postponed till the following year. So when the legislature came to a halt in March, it, we just went into a big unknown, into a big void. What's going to happen? By the time they reopened on June 15th, people weren't even allowed in the Capitol, like visitors, very few lobbyists because you know, they're of the COVID concerns. So we didn't, we didn't go back to testify after that. We'd already provided our testimonial, but during the downtime, when things were down, we didn't, we didn't stop our work. We kept on being watchdogs and sending our photographs and complaints to the EPD. They kept issuing more violations, fines to the two plants. And then the other thing we did is we sent out an information packet to all the senators' home district offices by this time, see, our House bill had crossed to the Senate. We had already gotten unanimous support from the House, so we were concentrating on the Senate side by this time. So we mailed out 61 packets of information, like snail mailed hard copies for them to read while they were home at their district offices, sheltering in place. And we had four pages of testimonials from citizens we sent photos. So we didn't stop, you know, the work that was going on behind the scenes. Our fear, though, when they reconvened was the budget became the focus of the legislature. The governor in Georgia had called for 12% budget cuts to all departments. So they basically had to redo the budget when they reconvened. And they only had 12 legislative days out of those 40 left. And they had to do all that work. And Georgia was one of the only four states that didn't have a hate crimes bill. So when we had these murders of Black people and the protests that were going on, all that had happened, the hate crimes 
bill, which had been in the legislature for 400 days, you know, so we went back a few years back and hadn't received any attention, suddenly became the primary focus, that in the budget. So we were very concerned that our bill would not even make it to the Senate floor for a vote. So that's what we were working on. We, all, our people, like we were sending out e-blasts to all of the people that in, the, in our coalition, we have about 300 people on our e-blast list, you know, to call senators, to call the committees, to send emails. So everybody was working. And somehow on the very last day possible, it was the day before the legislature shut down again, the bill made it to the Senate floor and passed unanimously 48 to nothing. So we find it truly remarkable that this was a bipartisan bill. It was introduced by our Republican representatives and senators, George is mostly red, and it received unanimous bipartisan support in both the House and Senate. There wasn't a single no vote. So what we feel is that this is how government should work, that you know, we, we had our legislatures looking out for people and people's health over money. And it's truly remarkable. Yeah. And that's just an amazing accomplishment. And is there anything we didn't mention that you want to speak on? Well, we're still waiting for the plant to stop burning Korea. So our understanding is the governor has 40 days to, to sign the bill. And then the EPD will have to somehow provide the, the oversight to take their permit away to burn creosote. So we're, we're still waiting for that to happen. But while we're waiting for that, the plants continue to chip creosote railroad ties in their yard. The dust is still blowing around on the neighboring fields and into the neighbor's yards and in the air. The creosote chipping operation that takes place out in the yard at the plant is as bad as the emissions that are coming out the stack because that dust is blowing all over. It's washing into the watershed. It's, it's in the air. It's on the pastures. The cows are eating it. It's horrible. And the plant has a 30-year contract with Georgia Power to provide electricity. So what if that had gone on for 30 years of creosote pollution? So we're thankful that's gonna stop eventually, but we're waiting for that to happen. We're gonna to continue to fight other issues at the plant, such as like noise reduction, which is so bad, and the light pollution. Mm -hmm. We're, we're gonna to continue to be watchdogs for the EPD and send our complaints to them. We're seeking some zoning changes in our county to prevent other polluting industries from coming to our county. And we, we hope to gain support from our board of commissioners to become a citizen's advisory committee or somehow have some oversight over future industrial development. We're gonna be more attuned to what's going on at our local level and, and try to steer the direction of the economic development in our county a little bit better than we had done before as a citizens group. And then we, we want to advocate against biomass plants in general, and maybe even in other states. There's still going to be biomass plants. They're, they're the, promoted as the clean, green energy. We're going to particularly advocate against burning creosote because it's happening in other states. Mm -hmm. um, but just advocate against biomass plants in general because we've, we've learned they're, they're major polluters. This is not, this is not the, the power we want for the future. We, we need to look at alternatives to that, you know, the solar, wind, not biomass plants that are cutting down forests. 
Yeah. So those are our plans for the future. That's awesome. Yeah. And how can people contact or connect with you or if they want to get involved in what you all are doing with these future plans? We have a website. It's um, Madison Clean Power coalition.com so that's all one word madison clean power coalition.com and we have a facebook page at madison clean power so they can connect with us that way and our our address and email and phone numbers listed on those sites also they're welcome to join up with us we we have a small membership fee but it's not required if they would like anyone from our organization to come speak at one of their events, we'd be happy to do that and, and talk about our experiences and what we've learned. So that, that is how they can contact us. Thank you so much to Ruth Ann for talking with me about your experience and accomplishments with the Madison County Clean Power Coalition. I'm going to link House Bill 857 below so you can read all about that bill along with some articles outlining the problems with biomass plants. I'll also link the sister site where there's another biomass plant in Franklin County so you know what's going on there. And tune in next Friday for a new episode and have a good week everyone.